0: PyTest is a test framework used by many projects and companies. It's also an open source project. In today's episode, you'll meet Rafael Pierzina, one of the core contributors and also a contributor to the Cookie Cutter project. We discuss how he got involved with the project, his involvement in Cookie Cutter and PyTest, and the Adopt PyTest month, and also this past summer's code sprint to get ready for PyTest 3. And, of course, we talk about some of the cool new features in PyTest 3. This is the Testing Code Podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Brian Akin. Follow the show on Twitter at TestPodcast and listen to past episodes at pythontesting.net podcast. Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development and software testing. Hey, before we get going, I need to tell you about an exciting project I just started with fellow podcaster Michael Kennedy. Michael is the host of the popular Talk Python to Me podcast. We've teamed up to bring you Python Bytes. It's at pythonbytes.fm. That's pythonbytes.fm. The goal of the show is to do a weekly or biweekly short 15 minute discussion of the news from the Python community. Python headlines delivered directly to your earbuds. Please check it out. Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing really good. Hey, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, I probably know more about who you are, even though I don't know very much, than um, everybody listening. So how would you introduce yourself?
1: My name is Raphael Piazzina, and I've been contributing to PyTest for, I think, two years by now, maybe one and a half and a bit. But I started contributing to open source projects earlier than that by, I think my very first bigger contribution was to Cookie Cutter. That's been more than two years ago. For those of you who don't know it, um, Cookie Cutter is a command line utility that helps you generate new projects based on templates.
0: That was started by the Django people, right?
1: Yeah, right. So Audrey started the project. And Audrey is the wife of Daniel, or PyDanny, and they've been writing the books, the two scoops on Django books. And yeah, she started the project, so they've been running it together with Paul Moore and Michael Joseph, and I started contributing, and eventually became a core contributor as well.
0: Okay. So what what drew you to Cookie Cutter?
1: It was actually quite funny, since it's directly related to PyTest. Um, I was browsing, it may, may have been like a Hacker News post or something, the best open source projects in Python on GitHub or something catchy. So I was just scanning through the list and had a look at the repos and I was really impressed to see that Cookie Cutter had a test coverage of 99% I think. Oh wow. Yeah, that got me really interested because at that time I was reading into test-driven development and all the fancy things. But the projects that I was working on, they were lacking test coverage and best practices so that got me interested
0: okay and then um, do you use python and pytest at at work
1: yeah so i used to work at a um, media production company back in germany for four years and that was on windows acute application okay and that was all in python okay wow Uh, yeah and now i work for fanduel here in scotland and also doing python but uh, obviously, not a cute application, but on the API team platform.
0: Okay, how did you get into contributing
1: to PyTest? When I like the things that I was doing on Cookie Cutter was actually when I saw that they had so much test coverage, and I was interested in learning PyTest, and that was for me the perfect playground, so to speak, because I just picked up one test after another. The architecture of Cookie Cutter is really simple, so it was easy to get into, and I gradually converted. One test after another from unit test to PyTest. About myself, the basic concepts from fixtures over hooks and like all of those kind of things. And then eventually, all of the code base was using just PyTest.
0: Okay. And that's what they use now still?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything is PyTest now.
0: Uh, that's great.
1: Yeah. And then I think my, my, when I started engaging more and more with the PyTest community was, that was in April 2015, so not too long ago, actually. That was when like, the core contributors of PyTest came together at FOSDEM, and then they talked about how they could get more people interested in contributing. And they organized, that was Brianna, she organized the Adopt PyTest Month.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Do you remember? I remember that. So there was like a, a month-long effort to try to help other people projects convert to PyTest?
1: Yeah, right. So the I think the, the baseline was everyone who wants to submit a HTTP request know that there is this library called requests and for PyTest um, everyone, the idea was why do so few people actually know PyTest although it's been around for so long and why only few people contribute to it? And I think from that they just had a mind storm, uh, brainstorming, and so the, the PyTest month was four months in April, where people who are experienced writing unit tests in PyTest came together with projects or maintainers who are not running their tests under PyTest.
0: That's a pretty good cool program. Do you know if they Yeah, that, I think it was successful.
1: It was like, especially, I'm very proud of that because especially our team was. Oh, that was amazing! Like we. It was Bruno, who goes by Nico Demos, I think, um, on GitHub and Twitter, contributor from Brazil. So he does cute stuff at work. I used to do a lot of cute stuff. And the project that we were helping migrating to PyTest was Cute Browser. Oh, right. Who, like Florian, goes on the, the compiler, I think. Yeah. So he's been the sole maintainer for a long while. So the three of us got together, made a really good plan. Like we had a separate repository made an overview in issues like the different concepts and features of PyTest and then asked Florian if he knows a part of his code base that could benefit from such features. And then we were doing like the work on the separate repository. And whenever Florian felt comfortable of actually accepting the changes, you would just merge it upstream. Okay. Worked really well.
0: Most of the communication for that project is through the version control.
1: You mean for the adopted test month back then
0: or no for that particular project in there.
1: That was solely on email and GitHub. Okay. Maybe a bit RSE, but we didn't like have voice communication or anything.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm doing my part to try to increase the awareness of PyTest. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Hopefully. We're still migrating to it at work. I, unfortunately, am still using a combination of uh, two homegrown frameworks. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's actually, I think a lot of companies still grow their own instead of using off the shelf frameworks. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I think so too. But I actually, uh, I know why I didn't choose PyTest right off the bat is because I didn't know how powerful it was. The features, mm. the fixture uh, model, um, especially session, some auto use and session mode stuff would have helped right off the bat if I had known I could use them. So Yeah. But um, did you go to the uh, the meetup in more recently where they did the code sprint? Yeah. I forget what that was called. They had a name for it. Yeah, we called
1: it. I think just developer sprint.
0: Okay, I think that was the official title. And that was this this summer in.
1: And... Yeah, that was last June in Freiburg in Germany. It was so just recently actually. I met with the Pytest core contributors at EuroPython I think last year for the very first time, and that's where I I think I made like the first step from being just a user to being more interested in authoring plugins and so on, and it was like quite fortunate that there were so many co-contributors at Europe Python, so I just grabbed them and asked them <laughs> random things and learned and learned and learned, and then from that, the cookie cutter PyTest plugin template was born. Do you happen to know that?
0: Yeah, I haven't yeah. tried it yet, but I'm I'm definitely going, I'm, actually I'm planning on trying it very soon because I've got a plugin I want to write. So
1: Yeah, that was like, that was
0: a huge step
1: for me to just looking at templates and trying to make sense of what's actually happening behind the scenes. And then with all the insights from the, from the core contributors, it was so easy to put up this template that was just in two days at the Europython sprints. And if you know these kind of things, like the entry points, for example, that's something you really struggle to get into if you haven't heard of that
0: before, I think. So if I've got like generally, I already know the code that idea. Like I've tried a, uh, I've got a, a, a plugin that I wrote in just Conf test or just in my own file, mm-hmm. and I want to make it a legitimate plugin that I can upload to PyPy or PyPI. Mm-hmm. Is that something I could use Cookie Cutter for then?
1: Yeah. So the template should be the best thing I think to get you going because it's. There is not much to publishing a PyTest plugin. The only thing really is you need to set up a setup tools entry point and you need to specify a name for it and that's PyTest one, one. And that's something that's just like happened from history, but there is no other explanation to that. And if you don't know that, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, and the template is like just takes care of these things and yeah, you can pretty much copy paste your stuff from the conf test to the generated plugin Python module, and that's it.
0: Okay, I'm definitely going to try it out probably yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yeah,
1: and if you while you edit and you maybe want to write a test for your PyTest plugin, the template itself gives you a baseline for that as well. Really? Yeah, there is a so PyTest. Uh, that's something that's maybe interesting for people who are intri- uh, interested in contributing to PyTest core itself. So there is a large test suite for PyTest itself, and it's written in PyTest. <laughs> and so we have an internal plugin, so in PyTest core internal, it's called PyTester, and it comes with a fixture called TestDir. And what you do, you kind of you write your Python code and pass it as strings to this test year function, and it generates temporary script files for you on disk, or a conf test file, or pytestini file, and then it allows you to run against those temporary files, and you have tiny helper functions to assert the output, for example.
0: Yeah, actually, it's actually pretty cool, and it ends up being like these when you describe it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of code, but it's just these little tiny functions mm-hmm. that yeah. you can, um, you're, there's a, they're inline tests and, um, and inline whatever you're testing can go in and you can check it. And it's, um, it's pretty clever. I I like that, that model. Yeah. I was exposed to it first when I, uh, I pointed out a problem. This was two or three years ago, maybe, and, uh, pointed it out and, um, somebody told me uh to write a test to show that it's failing first and then make could mm-hmm. fix it so i didn't actually fix the problem but i contributed the test to uh demonstrate the problem so oh cool yeah. uh, that was good
1: yeah and you can write the test code but then again you need to enable this plugin and that's something that the template takes care of as well so okay. you need to was it in test or in PyTest Any? I think you just need to enable the plugin PyTester. Okay. I don't know, template. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll give it a shot and uh, try it out. Okay. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you on now or earlier than now, but, well, we're here, is the release of PyTest 3. I think we're up to 3.03 now, but there's a whole bunch of cool stuff that came out in 3. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and um, maybe I'm just a nerd, but I've been like, Still, just kind of excited about it because there's it's so much easier to write. I wanted to run down through some of the features, but I was wondering if you have uh, any favorites right off the bat that went into three.
1: I have a few favorites, yeah, but uh, we can certainly just follow along your list if you want to.
0: Well, my list is actually did you write it? No, it was written by Bruno Bruno, Yeah. yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Well, we can start with one of my favorites. And the PyTest make parameterize ID hook, it's like really simple, but it's a new hook. So you would put it into a conf test Py or a plugin and it receives uh, a value and the config, I think. And then you can, how do I describe that? Like you could, you could usually can specify IDs for a fixture on the parameterized marker or the fixture decorator. Yes. Yeah. And this, this hook is like a, it's like a central place where you can put ID generation for your custom classes or so. Like, and usually you would have a mark parameterized, and you have a bunch of tests and they maybe use instances of your custom classes. So your business logic, so to speak. And you want to have a standardized way of how you would translate your instance to an ID, maybe. So if you have maybe a class of woman or man and they might have a, a name attribute and you want to use that as an ID. And the hook is just like, you can put it in there and it will be available all across the code base. So you don't need even to touch any of the other tests. We'll use them just right off the bat.
0: Okay, so that's pretty cool. But it it's actually one of the things I marked as a question mark because mm-hmm. that's definitely a feature that would, benefit from an example. Yeah. Do you know if there's an example write-up anywhere for that?
1: I have had an example in my Europython slides, oh, Okay. so we could maybe just link that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: It's pretty much the same example that I just used. And the hook, as again, it's really simple. The only thing it really allows you to do is not repeat the same ID function or anything um, over and over again across all of your tests. You just have this one hook, in your and it takes care of it. So that's really just convenience; it doesn't add any extra value.
0: Is this in here because you had a particular need for this, or did you just think it was cool? The hook itself, yeah. It's on the release, or yeah. I mean, did you work on this, or no? I haven't. No. Oh, okay.
1: The one feature that I was I added was the. Um, so we used to have the dash dash fixtures which lists all of the fixtures which are used in your test suite. Yeah. So that's pretty handy. But if you have a large code base and you maybe have like subdirectories or something and you use the same name for a fixture over and over again.
0: Oh, yeah, because you'd have even just like a print fixture or... a Yeah,
1: or client maybe or something. So yeah. you might have a general purpose client and then you have maybe some very specific clients. And then you're working on, on a test, and you see from the positional arguments of your f- test function that it's using client fixture. But the question really is, how do you know where the code is for that fixture? Yeah. And dash dash fixtures is like one step into the right direction because it lists the fixtures, but it doesn't tell you where they're used. So if you're lucky, you only have like one single fixture, which is called client. And then if you add dash verbose, or dash dash verbose or dash V to it, it also tells you like the exact file where the fixture is defined at what line. But again, if you have the same fix or multiple fixtures with the same name, you are, yeah, that's where it ends then. So the fixture that I was added, uh, I added was dash dash fixtures. Dash per dash test. Okay, that's also working with selection. So you maybe just want to know where all the fixtures are defined that a test with a certain marker is using.
0: Oh, okay, so I can pass in a selector with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's the the one of the themes for. Um, there were more features in there, but one of the themes for the Pytest three, I think, was making fixtures just way more usable. No, yeah. and that's one of them. Addition, couple of things that I around the same line as the um oh there was a new flag it's a setup show mm-hmm. and that if you run that it, it'll like just um run all of your tests but then show the particular fixtures as they're running as well yeah. as your tests
1: yeah there are uh, three of those i think it was shut up setup show setup plan and setup
0: setup only oh yeah right and then they I think, I believe those show where the where the fixtures are defined as well, if I'm remembering it right. Maybe not. Could be, yeah.
1: To be honest, I haven't used them too much up to now, but it's, I find them, like the new um, command line flags, they are pretty useful if you, let's say you're like working on your teardown or setup code, so you don't touch the tests at all and you don't really want to run them because it takes time. And then if you use I think it's setup only. Yeah. Where the setup and teardown code is actually executed. So you could spot if there is some kind of issue.
0: I guess I didn't even notice that. That's so cool. So it runs your runs all your fixtures but doesn't run the tests.
1: Yeah, that's setup only. I think that's executing setup and teardown code. Setup yeah. show would just like print out additional information while it's running the code as usual. And setup plan is like the whole opposite. It just locks, but it doesn't run anything.
0: Okay. Well, both those are very useful when you're, um, all those are going to be useful when you're debugging a plugin or a fixture. Yep. There was a couple more features around fixtures. One of them was the ability to add a different name other than the name of the function. Mm-hmm. And I like that because I, I always want, kind of wanted to name my, Fixtures with like, as in the example of the blog post, uh, like fixture underscore then some other name, yeah, and then not have to, ha- and then just reference the name in in a test, and now you can with the the name flag in the fixture. It's pretty yeah. cool, yeah. And then the last one, uh, of course, the biggie for me is the yield, which is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I've been holding off uh, talking about that because. It's really what I'm very excited about, but uh, um, have you used it? Or I know you have, but... Yeah, it's essentially just the yield underscore fixture
1: decorator, but it's so much easier now since you can use a usual decorator. So maybe to explain what it does, usually if you mark a function with a PyTest fixture decorator, you would have to return something, and that would go into the test and actually run it. But there's also this yield underscore fixture, which, yeah, well, you use a yield. So you have a nice and clean way of writing your setup code, then yield some value into the test item that will run the test. And then all the code afterwards, uh, are like below that lines, those lines will be the teardown code. So that's like super easy if you compare that to the old um, request at finalizer. I think it was. Yeah.
0: And actually, I like the other method seemed fine for me, but the, this is just so much cleaner. You, you've got, yeah. you just, you don't have a, a fixture doesn't have to have a request object now as a parameter. Mm-hmm. And all the code at the top is the setup and then. Then you have a yield, and then all the code afterwards is a teardown. Yeah, unless there's no yield statement, and then it just works like a normal fixture. So yeah, I think that makes it
1: even easier to embrace like the whole fixture concept.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. I want to remind everyone that all of this, all we're talking about so far, is is things that are decorated with pytest fixture, and so. I've always struggled with what to call these things. Uh they're fixtures or pytest fixtures because there's yeah. there's there's also support for xunit style fixtures with uh, the setup and teardown prefixes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think those are included in the like setup show and things like that. The xunit? Yeah. fixtures probably not i don't know to be honest it's one of those things that i think i want to dig into the the uh, test uh-huh. code and see if i can i can add those yeah. because i still i think that those the style of uh there's two main reasons i think why people jump go to pytest and uh one of them is the assert rewriting which makes asserts really easy to write they're just like normal asserts and then the other one is the really awesome fixture model now some people don't care about the fixture model and think it's complicated at first, and they're wrong. It's not that complicated. But if they just want to use a better test system with the nice asserts, they can go ahead and still use um, X-unit style fixtures. No. Yeah. However, with PyTest 3, it's really hard to c- probably convince yourself to do that because there's all these great debugging tools that are available for all the normal PyTest fixtures.
1: Yeah, that was for me also the reason why I started using pytest. Um, without like making this intimidating task of converting everything in one go, you could just change pytest to be your test runner and see if all of your unit tests pass. And if they do, you already like benefit from yeah like pretty much everything that you just said, assertion rewriting and so on. And then you could decide if you maybe want to. Write your tests in Pytest style and make use of the fixture system. That makes it kind of easy to migrate, like gradually, rather than rushing into it.
0: It's one of the great things, is as well, is that you can. There are some cases of um, Pytest fixtures that you can use with unit test classes, which I think is that's still the case. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really excited about, which is, it's because I Tell people how to write PyTest stuff so often is that I got, um, I, I convinced Bruno to, um, put in a fix so that you didn't have to include any keywords in the X unit style fixtures. Mm-hmm. So normally you would have, like for a setup module, you had to include a parameter. You used to have to include a parameter to specify what module? Okay. It was either mo- like setup module or setup function. One of them allowed not having a parameter and one of them didn't. And I like that if you're using those, you don't have to have any parameters anymore if you don't need it, which is great. No. Yeah. But I do want to urge anybody that's going down that road to just bite the bullet and learn PyTest fixtures because they're so cool.
1: Yeah. I think that was for me also like my goal for the, you mentioned the developer sprint. So the only thing I really had on my agenda was to revisit the documentation because when I like started using Pytest more and more, I always hit a wall where I had no idea like how things work together. I think it's maybe also important to mention that Pytest as such is, is pretty mature and it's really like it's been around for a while. So it's one of those projects where you support. So many different interpreters. Like you have C I think J Python was supported as well at some point. There's PyPy, and then from Python 2.6 to 3.6, so we test that already. But like 3.5 is like to 3.5, everything is supported. um And with the maximum compatibility, there comes this huge burden of carrying up around a lot of old code, maybe that's working and you don't want to touch it. You have like We add constructs uh, for compatibility reasons because some built-in things have been introduced in more recent versions of Python.
0: Yeah, that's every software project's like that with some legacy code. Yeah, but I think that the openness of the Pytest community to basically, you can a lot of these discussions are going on on the Pytest mailing list, and they complete the, the Pytest development mailing list and they I'm on there I'm just more more or less a lurker I just kind of like listening to what everything people are working on mm-hmm. and it's um it's a pretty open environment to have anybody uh, jump in if they wanted to yeah and
1: especially like that's why I mentioned the documentation that's what I noticed like when you go to the docs and they also have a new address it's now docs.pytest.org and like there was no dedicated section to like aimed at contributors or potential contributors. I mean, like there was one, but it's sometimes really hidden and you might be scared maybe even because it's a bit chaotic, I would say. So that was pretty much what Brianna um, Andreas, who maintains the PyTest Django plugin and myself, we've been working on the documentation for pretty much most of the sprint. But obviously it's nowhere near like finished. So we, we at least like decided on a new structure and a direction that we want to head to with the documentation to make it easier for different kinds of, I think we called it, um, not personas. What did we say? Like you could have a a user which wants to write tests with PyTest. Then you would maybe have the advanced user who wants to get into hooks, writing on plugins etc. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the people who want to contribute to the core itself. And all of these looked at the document, the existing documentation. I had this huge wall where we were um, putting up post it notes. So, where do we put this kind of article that describes hook, hooks, for example? And it certainly doesn't belong into the beginner section because you can use PyTest just fine without using a single hook and yeah. you still get most of the benefit from it but if you want to do complex things or your organization may have like super specific code and you could just put it into a pytest plugin so you would be interested into hooks or the setup py stuff for example
0: i'm going on a different tangent i'm looking up on some of the documentation and i do see the new contributing contribution getting started guide which is cool I'm going to shift gears a little bit because there's, uh, where there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. And that was, um, I noticed that I was looking through the, the thanks, uh, section of the 3.0 release. And I thought that your name showed up with a couple of the like X fail and X pass bits and the reporting yeah i was curious if you use the j unit xml in your work
1: i think we use it uh, so when we generate yeah so at work we use jenkins but for all of my open source projects i use um travis and a and as we use the coverage the combined report i think like to get coverage if you especially with projects which aim at compatibility across python versions you have a lot of compatibility code and obviously you won't get code coverage on that if you just use a single coverage
0: report so does the coverage report come out in the uh, the junit xml as well yeah i think so okay and um yeah that's i was guessing that most people that are using that that output are using it so that they can hook into a reporting system like continuous integration in jenkins or travis or something so the big feature that I'd love to um, find somebody to, to fill is somehow a reporting system like Jenkins that would um, correctly display xfail and X-Pass as different outputs. Yeah. If they do now, I don't know how to do it. That's a good question. I, I don't know. Like The change that I did for the
1: release was, uh, I think it was added in February this year already, that um, you could set an X-Fail to strict. So if you um mark a test with PyTest mark X fail and you run the test and you have a problem in the test and it fails, your test suite wouldn't be unsuccessful. You would still have a pass. But you can enable like the strict mode, which means if test happens to pass, although it's decorated with an X fail, it would be a failure. Some people like they write the like a negative form of your of a test, if you will. So, they write the tests,
0: and it's because I uh we want to in a uh, test first model. I want to be able to write tests um and put them in the system before the implementation is finished, or before a like if there's a bug, I'll write a mm-hmm. test for the bug and mark it as X fail and I want very high visibility when that test now passes. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's one of the reasons why the strict mode would be in because I don't want that just to slide through as a pass. And uh, Yeah, right. However, what I really want is not neither of those. I want to be able to see the X fail and X pass levels in my uh, Jenkins output or something else. So we're. Um, I'm using uh, Jenkins at one project, and the only thing I'm using it for is to collect um, these JUnit XML files and display them in graphs, so that I can see pass fail over different versions of the software.
1: To be honest, I don't know if there is a CI system that is so specialized on PyTest that could take this into account. Yeah, There's also another plugin called PyTest HTML, so, um, and Dave Hunt and other contributors write that. So it's it's pretty much like like the XML, but it's HTML. So you can... Okay. Maybe he like has added support for that. I don't know. It's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like a funny thing with PyTest. Uh, like after I gave the talk at EuroPython, people asked me questions, and sometimes I really just need to be honest and say, I don't really know. Like It's a really big project and there's so many changes in this release that so hard to keep track of
0: so um anything you want to plug or uh, anything about pytest or anything else before we say goodbye i want to give a big shout out to all the people
1: who helped us with the fundraiser that's something that i um really wanted to bring up Oh, right yeah because like that was for the the coding sprint right yeah right the developer sprint was only possible because we had we were running a fundraiser and it was people from the community and a few companies who donated money. And that made it possible so that. So, Brianna comes from Australia, Bruno, uh, Anna, they came from Brazil. We had people from Seattle. One guy was from China. It was his first trip outside of Asia. And that was just possible because of either employers sending their employees or obviously through the fundraiser. And it was amazing to have almost 30 people there in Germany and working on the project for a full week. So, yeah, I think we as a project are very thankful for that.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty neat support. I like that.
1: Yeah. All right. And apart from that, I would just encourage everyone to jump onto the mailing list maybe if there are any things that you would like to see or if you have any specific questions. And we also have an IRC channel. I think it's just piles though, so, and a lot of communication for some reason happens on Twitter nowadays, at least I think in the Python community, it seems to be a common thing to share blog posts and release announcements
0: and yeah it's definitely um you miss a lot if you ignore Twitter, yeah, so funny <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for coming on, and uh hopefully um. I'll run into you sometime.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, great podcast.
0: Oh, thanks. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please tell a friend about the show. This episode is sponsored by the people like you contributing as little as a dollar a month through Patreon to help support the show. Go to pythontestingnet slash support. Thanks for listening.